Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights. My name is Marco Iacchini, and I'm a cross-asset strategist from the CIO team. On today's episode of the podcast, we'll discuss our latest insights and asset class views that we've just published in our Global Market Outlook. Joining me today for this conversation, I am glad to welcome Manpreet Gill, Head of Fixed Income, Currencies and Commodities. Now, without further ado, let's start today's conversation. Manpreet, as I just mentioned, we've released our Global Market Outlook. What are some of the highlights this month and what are the narratives that are on top of investors' minds? Hi, Marco. Um, Yes, this month, actually, uh, we went ahead and sort of started with our economist hats uh, and really went back to the basics of the growth and inflation outlook. Because, uh, like you mentioned, when you think about the narratives, uh, you know, inflation has been very much front and center over the past month or so. Um, and we've seen differing impacts across different markets, you know, and, and sort of uh, markets and policymakers responding in different ways. Uh, but clearly, there seems to be in the narrative at least some concern about uh, whether inflation, uh, you know, may not may not come off you know as quickly as uh, you know many of us had expected at the start of the year now i think it's important to obviously separate that from our view that concern to a degree is understandable when looking at some of the recent data points but actually in our view we still believe that that baseline view of expecting inflation to gradually start tapering off as we move into next year uh, that in our view you know still remains uh, intact uh, and that you know, comes through when you start looking at some of the components. There have clearly been some delays in resolving some of the supply chain challenges. Uh, but when you start sort of really going into the details of inflation, um, you know, outside of one or two components, in most cases, the numbers have really been uh, supply chain related. Um, and, you know, we know very well that there have been some challenges on that front. Now, and the other lens I think to keep in mind, which is important from a policy perspective, is the market's expectations of inflation. And even here, we've seen a rise uh, to the top of the historical range where market expectations tend to sit in the past decade or so, but we haven't quite seen a break above those into new highs. And that's also important because that can feed uh, into whether policymakers respond in a big way or not. Um, so that's, I think, on the inflation side, and I'd emphasize a baseline view is that, you know, I'm short of uh, obviously a big upside surprise uh, or a policy accident, we still believe that baseline view of inflation gradually easing as we go into uh, 2022 remains intact. For financial markets, though, what that means is that rather than focusing on inflation, it's the growth outlook that remains most important. Uh, this is a point we made in previous months that, you know, when you think from an equity outperformance point of view, actually what's been more important historically is whether growth has sort of, uh, you know, remained strong. Uh, and equities have historically in that situation outperformed most other asset classes, regardless of whether inflation was rising, as long as you exempted sort of scenarios of very high inflation. So that really feeds into, you know, a continued sort of preferred view on equities uh, because we think growth, of course, whether you look at economics or earnings, uh, there's a strong case that will remain, you know, at strong levels uh, going into next year. Uh, so equities remains a most preferred asset class. We have raised our, our asset allocation view on gold. Uh, you know, having said that, um, but a lot of that sort of really thinking about uh, providing a bit of a hedge against, you know, the inflation narrative. I mean, regardless of whether we were uh, right about our glide path to lower inflation or not, I think the good part about gold is it can help hedge even against the worries of higher inflation, regardless of whether we get them or not. Thank you, Manpreet. I, I also see that we have made some changes within our equity and bonds as allocations. Can you maybe elaborate a bit on those? 
Sure. Uh, we have uh, made a couple of changes, uh, but the, uh, the arguments here, of course, are a little bit different from the, the, group, the growth and inflation big picture. Now, on the equity side, you know, the US and euro area, they're still our most preferred equity market regions. Um, and there's no change there or in the argument. I mean, going back to the point on growth, uh, you know, economic and earnings growth remains quite supportive in those markets and uh, policymakers, you know, still remain by and large uh, supportive. So no change there. Uh, the one area where we have sort of uh, closed our least preferred view uh, is on Asia Japan equities, which we've moved back to a core holding. And this has really got to do with what, what I characterize as less bad news out of China. So if you recall, a lot of bad news uh, from the property sector in particular, if you go back over the past uh, past couple of months. But here's where I think we've seen a bit of a change in the sense that we have seen policymakers come out and say they, they have reason to believe you know the stresses in the property sector can remain contained. And we have seen very selective easing in mortgage and, and regional housing policies. So we're not out of the woods, but I think it's it's a better position you know, relative to where we were last month. So I think that's grounds to sort of move it, of course, to a core holding. Looking beyond that, um, you know, that's that's obviously quite far away from looking at Asia, Japan as, as preferred. I think there are a few things that would have to change for that to happen. I think most importantly, we need to see either signs of policy easing in China um, and signs of resolution of some of the immediate stresses. So that's something we continue to monitor. But we think at the moment, uh, you know, the environment's consistent with a core holding view. So that's on the equity side. On the bond side, again, when you think about our preferred areas, there's been no change there. I mean, we still think, uh, you know, high yield bonds in the U.S. and Europe, uh, you know, continue to offer an attractive yield. Um, and as do EM dollar bonds, which, yes, they are sensitive to to the risk of higher treasury yields. Uh, but we think, you know, the high yield premiums more than make up for that. And Asian uh, dollar bonds, uh, which we continue to believe, uh, you know, offer a pretty attractive, uh, you know, valuation. And that those um, prices have sort of rebounded a little bit. The only area where we made a change, again, from the argument of less bad news is in EM local currency bonds. Uh, we've seen a lot of policy tightening uh, from several emerging market central banks, uh, most notably in Brazil and Russia. Um, so again, while we may not quite have completed that course, uh, you know, that has moved interest rates a whole lot higher over the past month, uh, you know, reducing, we think, what, what we viewed as one of the key sources of risk. So EM local, you know, really moving up to core holding. Thank you, Manpreet. Um, so one last question, and, and I understand that this is not our base case scenario, but we have received a lot of questions from clients about inflation, and you've talked about uh, how it is on top of investors' minds. And uh, and here we're trying to figure out how, if inflation were to persist higher, uh, especially from the elevated levels that we're seeing today already, uh, how could investors hedge? And, and once again, I understand this is not our base case scenario, but what are some of the asset classes that would tend to do better in environments of high inflation, high and increasing inflation? No, I think it's it's you make a fair point that look, it may not be our baseline view. Uh, we have the view that inflation, of course, uh, we expect it to ease next year, but it's good to be prepared and do the analysis today. Um, so I think w what we did in the global market outlook uh, was to really go back through history and look at periods when you know, inflation numbers were high or very high um, and see what we could learn from asset class performance. So if you want to look at, of course, the full table uh, that's you know in the publication, you know, you can look at all the numbers. So please do ask your RM for that publication if you'd like to do so. But the headline conclusions are quite interesting. So on equities, uh, the starting point actually ended up being quite important. So rising inflation uh, you know, can be a challenge. But if 
the starting point was low levels of inflation, so in the region of about 2% or lower, then equities still had room to outperform. The challenges really came for equities when the starting point for inflation was above median or already a very high level. Those are the scenarios where, you know, if we got a further rise in inflation, equities start to underperform other major asset classes. So in that sort of historical scenario, the learning was uh, that, you know, it was really sort of sectors like energy and healthcare, which had more pricing power, uh, that were ended up being a better place to be. So I think that was the key learning on the equity side. On the bond side, uh, the learning was somewhat counterintuitive. Now, the initial reaction, of course, uh, was a negative one. Uh, As expected, if bond yields rise in response to inflation, one would expect bond prices to fall. But it's interesting that over a full 12-month period, uh, even from a level of high inflation, uh, bonds did end up uh, doing okay and outperforming equities. Now, part of that, of course, was because equities suffered, uh, helping that relative outperformance. But part of it may very well be that, you know, while the initial reaction might be a negative move in price, uh, bond yields did move a lot higher. So that higher yield certainly helped if you held bonds uh, over that full 12-month period. So I think that's an interesting one. And finally, the third was, of course, what we'd call uh, private and real assets. Uh, so thinking about things like uh, you know, uh, real estate or gold. Uh, those, unsurprisingly, you know, did end up doing well in scenarios of high inflation. Um, so I think that's the one which which sort of does match the intuition um, and sort of performed as expected historically during high periods of inflation. So, like I said, this may not be a core scenario, but of course, if you know, it's a useful sort of exercise to do that. You know, should the situation change, I think that historical perspective uh, hopefully you know prepares investors uh, a little bit better. Uh, and the fact that there are more sort of interesting outcomes there rather than just running to real assets alone. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Manpreet, for joining our conversation today. That is all for our episode of Standard Charter Money Insights. If you would like to learn more or read our publications, please visit our website at sc.com under Latest Market Insights. As a reminder, if you enjoyed our discussion, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.